Oh, good morning, everyone. So good to see you. Well, let's pray. We'll see what the Lord has. Mm, Father, you are good. You know how much we need your help for relational conflict. We all do. So, Lord, we're here today. We're saying, Lord, teach us about this. Show us. God, let your presence and Holy Spirit come into our hearts. Lord, I lay my life down for you. Use me, God, as a vessel to speak your word to your people that you love so much. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, before we start, I, I want to make a comment um, about relational conflict that's a little different. If you are in a relationship that is physically abusive, we encourage you to leave. Please contact the church if you need guidance. If you feel you're being mentally or emotionally abused, we suggest you seek out help to put strong boundaries in place. If you are in such a relationship, please seek out wise counsel. So let's take a look. We're going to start with the Word of God, so if you'll stand, please. See what the Word says about relational conflict. In Romans 7, 14 through 25, it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what am I doing? I do not understand. For I'm not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law. Confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members." Wretched man, woman that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself, with my mind, am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. You may have a seat. So, that kind of explains relational conflict. But I thought I might have something else that might have you, um, give you a better understanding of the relational conflict that we have in our, in our lives. So let's watch this video. Relax, everybody. I'm here. I'm Batman. I'm the boss. I am William Wallace. William Wallace is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard. I just live by the ABCs. Adventurous, brave, creative. As you see, I've got biceps to spare. You are without doubt the worst pirate I've ever heard of. You have heard of me. I have the destinies on 12 systems. I protect the galaxy from the threat of invasion from the evil Emperor Zerg, sworn enemy of the Galactic Alliance. Oh, really? I'm Hela. I'm just a Jedi. I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. I have part of a plan. Grow and spread, covering all that exists until everything. Is. Ooh, yeah. 
Um, I'm gonna have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. I was in prison for three years. I don't know how to punch. Show me. Terrible. You wanna show me how to punch? Show me. That is dangerously arrogant. I will have order! Control. Control. You must bring control. See the lack of humility before nature that's being displayed here staggers me. I'm gonna make him an offer again. I live alone. My swamp. Me. Nobody else. Understand? You strike me as a particularly icy and remorseless man. Uh, no, I'm doing fine. I'm sure that's exactly what you want these people. You want to spend a little more time trying to do something with yourself and a little less time trying to impress me. It's not about you! Maybe that helps a little bit, right? So I think we have an idea of relational conflict because everyone battles the flesh, every single one of us, every day. Because of that, there is a perfect storm of the possibility of conflict with everyone you meet. Well, pride is a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievement. It's all about me. So I'm going to talk a little bit about dissatisfaction in the spirit of dissatisfaction. The spirit of um, dissatisfaction can be one where there is an attitude. Dissatisfaction sometimes can guide us to a path. So I want to tell a story of dis dissatisfaction. So I went to lunch with my friend, my accountability partner, Sue, and we were waiting and all of a sudden we noticed, you know, how you're talking away and all of a sudden I'm like, Sue, has this been, has it been like 30 minutes? And the people who got there after us were eating. And she goes, yeah. And so I said, well, if we see our waiter come by, you know, and he didn't come by. And then I saw him up front and I was like, Lord, you know, do you want me to go up and talk to him? So I went up and I just said, excuse me, sir, you know, I'm, I'm just inquiring. We've been waiting for about 30 minutes. And he said, I think it's the Brussels sprouts. And so, of course, my friend had ordered that. And, um, and so I said, hey, you know, no problem. So we sat down, and about five minutes later, he brought it, and he said, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. And I said, hey, it's not your fault. It's okay. And then when the bill came, he's like, I'm taking 30% off. So there's a little bit about when there's dissatisfaction. It doesn't mean that you go, thank you, Lord, that you're taking care of it. It's your inquiring to him with, with dissatisfaction because a spirit of dissatisfaction has an attitude with it, right? I could have said, excuse me, sir, we've been waiting 30 minutes. Do you see the difference? So let's take a look at the first relational conflict, relational dissatisfaction. And in this scripture, Isaiah 12, 14, 12 through 14, it's a story of Lucifer, Satan, the enemy. And it's the very first relational conflict in the Bible, dissatisfaction. How have you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn? You have been cut down to the earth. You who have weakened the nations, but you said in your heart. So this is what he was saying. Lucifer was, wasn't satisfied with where he was. I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the Mount of Assembly in the recesses of the north. And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And I will make myself like the Most High. So the very first tool that the enemy uses for 
relational conflict is to have us dissatisfied. So let's take a look at in the story with Adam and Eve. So in Adam and Eve, the enemy came and got Eve to be dissatisfied. It wasn't enough just to, from, to, be, to eat from the tree of life. So see how he used dissatisfaction to get people to want more. So I want to discuss a spirit of dissatisfaction, when dissatisfaction can lead us to turn to Jesus to guide us to a different path. So let's see how the enemy uses dissatisfaction. This is the spirit of dissatisfaction in our lives. He can have us look at our spouses to be dissatisfied with them. It's an attitude of dissatisfaction. It's looking at them and being dissatisfied instead of going to the Lord. He uses family members. Think about how, think about this right now as I'm reading off all these names, how the enemy has used dissatisfaction in your life in this area because you have to know it is a tool that he uses to cause relational conflict. Boyfriend, girlfriend, a friend doesn't call enough, calls too much, a boss, a coworker, people in the church, neighbors, waiters, waitresses, chefs, receptionist, medical field, president, people in government, meteorologist. Oh, see, you're, you're getting that one, aren't you? You're like, I'm really to that. Teachers, policemen, mailman, garbage man, and here's the one, yourself. He will cause you to have an attitude of dissatisfaction about yourself. I mean, just ask anybody who works with the public of what it's like to work with people who come in with an attitude of dissatisfaction versus those who come in with an attitude of gratitude. Anybody? Right. That they walk in with that. And then these are people. He can also use dissatisfaction in, in things to cause relational conflict. I'm not satisfied with my house. I'm not how satisfied how much you're helping, or I'm not satisfied with my job, or I'm not satisfied because I'm single, not satisfied, satisfied because I'm married, not satisfied with the weather. I mean, we could go on and on. And so he uses dissatisfaction to cause conflict. So how do we overcome dissatisfaction, that attitude of dissatisfaction in our lives? Well, let's take a look at the truth. 1 Timothy 4, 4 through 5. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. So thanksgiving and gratitude is a way to fight it. So I get up, I'm thankful for the weather today. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful for my husband. I'm thankful for my friends. You know, what are you thinking when you wake up, are you thinking about dissatisfaction? So I pray right now today, God is revealing to you that that is a tool that the enemy has been using on you for relational conflict. So enemy uses dissatisfaction to distract us from thanking God, dissatisfied on what God has already given us. So I am so blessed to be the women's chaplain at the Dane County Jail. And um, I'm so happy. I'm going to give a shout out to my friends in jail who show up every Wednesday at the table. And, this, mm -hmm. and I want to tell you, you know, Ginny talked about it, but I would not be there if it wasn't for Ginny. Isn't it neat how we both are sharing? We've got that good relational stuff going on, don't we, sister? So in Dubuque, I was the Bible study teacher at the Dane County Jail. 
And so when God called me here, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm ready. And I was trying to make it work. And it just wasn't working. I'm like, how do you get into the jail? And you know, I, you know and it just, the doors went opening. So I, I just, I always say, I put it on the shelf and I'm Lord, maybe it was a season, but you let me know if it's gonna happen, you'll open the door. And then one day I get a call from Chaplain Todd at the Dane County Jail and he says, somebody gave me your name, Ginny. And, said, and he said, would you like to be the women's chaplain at the Dane County Jail? And we show up at the table, ladies, every Wednesday. So it's a good story. So I want to talk about the ladies in the jail. I want to talk about how they could be so dissatisfied with where they're at. But instead, when they come up to meet with Jesus, because that's all we talk about is Jesus. Right, Ginny? That's it, just Jesus, right? They humble themselves instead of being dissatisfied and are using this time to get closer to God before they leave. So every story that I share, I've asked permission to share, if I could share this story. So I'm gonna tell this, the story of Ashley in jail. So she could have been very, very dissatisfied with where she was at. So she had a job where she would clean bathrooms. And one day she went to clean the shower and she walked into the shower, and somebody had pooed in the shower. She was not satisfied with that. She was very dissatisfied with that. <laughs> so she went to the deputy and said, I'm not cleaning that up. And the deputy said, if you don't clean that up, you're going to be fired from your job. And it's like you're, you know, like, do you want to be in jail and then get in trouble in jail? You know what I mean? And then the Spirit of God came up inside of her, and she heard, you know, if you don't clean that up, there's women that have to go in that shower and take a shower with that there and the smell. And he started talking to her about the other women, and she got her eyes off of herself, right? And she cleaned it up. So she was gone, right? We're all... You know, at the table, I'm like, where's Ashley? And there goes, she's doing her job. And all of a sudden, she comes in, and she comes over. And her face, I'll never forget it, there was this peace and this joy and this glow. And she tells the story. She tells the story of what God did. And I asked the Lord, I'm like, what was it on her face? It was the glory of God on her face. Because she, you know that flesh, right? She was... And she chose God's way. So Ashley inspired me. So when talking about dissatisfaction, God's only talking about you. It's so easy for us to look and you go, you're, you're dissatisfied all the time about that, right? You could, you could look at your spouse or your neighbor, your brother, your sister in Christ, anybody in here, you know? He's not talking to anybody else, but you looking at your spirit of dissatisfaction which leads to point number two, relational judgment. Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take this speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, 
and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Let's take a look at judgment because I have to tell you, that judgment wants to come up every day. Every day that spirit, just like dissatisfaction, wants to rise up in you every single day. And so when that judgment rises up, this is something that I say every day and it really helps me. I always say this, I am nobody's judge and I'm nobody's savior. And I have to say it, remind myself every day because if not, that judgmental piece will come up. So look at this story, Jonah judged the people of Nineveh and he ended up in the belly of a whale. I wanna look at the story of David. Uh, When Samuel, in 1 Samuel 16, he passed by all of Jesse's older, stronger sons and he chose David. But the Lord spoke to him first in 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said this to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People look at where somebody's at. People will look at how somebody dresses, how they talk, or what they do, or don't do. It's so easy to look at that if you're looking at people with judgmental eyes. And if you are looking at people's appearance, or their past life, or their present life, or their present trauma, you are missing out on God's heart. James 4, 11 through 12. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Makes it quite clear, right? There are not to judge. So we need help with this, right? Look at the lives of the pastors. Look at all of us. If we were judged on our behavior, we would all be disqualified. We'd all be disqualified. There is no such thing as a perfect Christian. There are only imperfect Christians who love a perfect God. I'm going to say it again. There is no such thing as a perfect Christian. There are only imperfect Christians who love a perfect God. So now I want to tell you Trisha's story. Trisha's one of my sweet sisters in jail. And her story starts where she showed up at the table every Wednesday. And then one Wednesday she goes, I have to tell you, every morning when I wake up, I want to hurt this woman. All I can think about is how I can hurt her, judging her for what she did. So what happened is this person did something, and instead of fessing up to it, because it was in in Trisha's house, Trisha went to jail. And all that person had to do and say was it, it was mine, and she didn't. So now she's in jail for something she didn't do. Ooh, it was so hard for her. So I said to her, I don't know what the Lord's going to do. I know he's going to help you. You know, I, I'm going to bring some truth, some scriptures about that. The next week I looked up scriptures, um, how to let go of her, and I passed it out to them. And then one Wednesday she says, guess what? Court, it went better. My lawyer said, it went better. 
He was surprised it went better and she was all excited. And she said, that person even had contacted the court. She said, but she didn't admit it. And I said, well, what if things have been done to her in her life where she was accused of things? And maybe she's been accused of a lot of things and it's so hard for her to admit. And Trisha goes, oh no, you don't. Now you're making me feel sorry for her. <laughs> so the next Wednesday, I'm thinking about it and the Lord says, ask Trisha what happened. What was it that caused her to go from wanting to hurt her friend to starting to feel sorry? I'm like, oh yeah, it's probably the word of God, or she prayed. Or... So I get there and I was gonna say, and she goes, guess what? I wrote my friend a letter. And I had my other friends, these are the, there's like eight women that show up every Wednesday, right? I had them read it. Because see, she wanted to make sure it wasn't written out of her flesh, but she also wanted to let that person know that she was dissatisfied, right? And I said, what was it? What caused the change? I, I was like, this is going to be good. Because this, this could help all of you, right? I can tell. And I go, what was it that helped you? And here's her answer. I don't know. <laughs> See, it wasn't about performance. It wasn't about her reading her Bible. It wasn't about her praying. It wasn't about studying the word of God. It's because he loved her. He took it away. He loves us. He loves us. And that's what takes it away. So what offsets judgment? This is what offsets judgment. Help me, Lord, to see people as you see them. Give me your heart for them. I want to love them as you love them. So when that judgment starts coming up, Help me to see them as you see them. Help me to love them. Show me. Because you're, remember, everybody around you, you have a possibility for conflict, right? So every person here is imperfect. Okay, we all, all agree with that. So there is the potential for conflict every day, even if you're alone, because you're with you, right? <laughs> so what's the answer? We know that in our flesh, Every day, we can struggle with dissatisfaction, right? The spirit of dissatisfaction and judgment. We all react out of our flesh. So how do we live on this earth if we were going to be around people, right? How do we do it? Well, it's not people who change. Only we do. So let's look at the third point, which is relational restoration. Yay! Conflict is more of an issue of what's going on between the person and God, than it is about the person with whom you're having the conflict. It's often more of a discipleship issue than anything else. Let's take a look at 1 John 4, 19 through 21. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So I have a visual. Some people are like, well, she's going to bring out that visual. I have a visual, and some of the ladies have seen this, that will help us to see when we react out of our flesh or our spirit. So this is kind of what we look like when we react out of our flesh, what people actually see that will give you an idea. 
So somebody does something and we are like, what? I, I. Oh yeah, we've seen you. Look at my eyes even got tangled together. Do you see? When you are reacting out of your flesh, people can tell because that's how you are, right? That's how you see people. Oh, can I get somebody to separate my eyes? Lord, separate my eyes. Maybe they're supposed to be together. All right. Ha <laughs> ha. That's probably even better. So let's take a look when we see people God's way in the truth. So I have to give a shout out to my amazing husband. I asked him to help me make truth glasses, and he made these out of toilet paper rolls. So Jim Gaman. So let's take a look when we see people when we see them through God's eyes, the truth. So I've got my truth glasses on and they're pretty narrow, right? Do you see? I can only see. Now let me look around. Hey, you're looking pretty good. Oh, there. Yeah, looking pretty good. So when I ask God, help me to see people with your eyes, he's able to totally change things. So I wanna tell you, I know, you know, You know, Pastor Greg had said, you know, it really helps when you tell your own personal stories. And I'm like, okay. So I'm going to tell you my googly eye story, right? And I asked my husband for permission to tell this because it was me really being googly eyed. So it's our first year of marriage and we had our eyes on each other. And I had my eyes on him and I was just looking like this, right? I feel like I have a nose instead of an eye, but anyway. (laughs) But, so, and I was just frantic. And, And you know, I have to tell you, Jim was the same way thinking about me. So it wasn't just me. You know, like, I'm like, are you kidding me? This is a man you chose for me. And he's like, are you kidding me? You know, because we had our eyes on each other. We both had our googly eye glasses on, right? So here I am. And my googly eye glasses are all over the place and I'm looking at him and I was done, I had it. And when we got married, we had this beautiful ceremony where we braided the cord of three, right? Jim held it, I love you so much. And I corded me, Jim and God. We just put all three together, a little rubber band. And then we put it hanging in our our living room to remind us that it's a cord of three. Well, my googly eye glasses, I got to show you this because you're they're so bad. I took the cord of three and I'm trying to untangle it. I'm like, I'm getting him out. It's only me and God. I'm digging, digging. So this is how I am. And I'm telling you that rubber band is so, is so little. God was holding it because I was trying, I was trying to uncord that cord of three and I couldn't do it. And I looked at Jim and then I threw it at him. Hey, are you disqualifying your pastor? (laughs) But I want to show you what happened when I put the truth glasses on. So I'm like, all right, God said he was the one. All right, so I'm like, help, right? And so there are times where I was like this, you know, with Jim, right? So I've got my truth glasses on, and the Lord says to me, it's like a construction zone. If you're looking at the construction zone, all you can do is see you're driving by in your car and because of the construction zone, it's done to, down to one lane and it's your only way to work and I drive down the one lane and so I, 
I gotta go slower. And, and because I'm going slower, the bulldozer, the dust is coming, it's getting my car all dirty. And I look every day and they, they aren't even doing anything. He's making my car dirty, he's making things slow down. And the Lord said, get your eyes off the construction zone. Get your eyes off him and get your eyes on me. And so many times, right? Out of this, it was happening. Oh, I'm down to one eye. Good thing this is my last message. I'm like a psycho. <laughs> okay, this, oh, this was what I was like. And I did. So Jim and I got our eyes off each other, and we got it on God. And all of a sudden, he said to me, look at the construction zone. And I look over, there was a foundation, there was, and the Lord said, I can't do anything when you've got your eyes on him, when you're trying to control him, I can't do anything. You let go and watch what I can do. And he did, didn't he, honey? That's the right answer. So, we're all in a journey and a process of recognizing when we react out of our flesh, right, and choosing the truth. It's not always pretty, but that's okay. The more you choose the truth instead of reacting, the easier it gets. You know, it's like strengthening that, no, I am not going to react this way. And so, many times what I have to do is I have to go into the bedroom and close the door, because so that this doesn't talk, right? You think the eyes are bad, wait till the mouth starts going, right? And so, and then the truth comes in, and the truth calms me, and the truth tells me what to say, and the truth tells me when to say it. And in that, our marriage has gotten stronger and stronger. Not that there aren't times where both of us are googly-eyed, but we get away and we turn to God and it's gotten easier. So let's take a look at Proverbs 16, seven. I love this scripture. This, I, you know, I, I had it underlined, but it's like it came alive to me when I was studying for this message. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. So I wanna tell you, he takes, when he takes pleasure in your way, it's not that you have to be perfect. It's that, do you want the truth glasses? Do you want the truth glasses? Sometimes we have unforgiveness before we've learned all this, right? And there's something that's happened to us, and there is just an unforgiveness. Like, how do I let this go? You know, it's like Trisha letting that go. Let's look at Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Easy to say, right? But how do you do it? Well, you ask. I have a story from Katie Lurch that she, a message that she sent to a friend who was struggling in forgiveness, unforgiveness, but she knew she wanted the truth. And this is what Katie had said. Genuine forgiveness is meant to be a gift given away given to someone who doesn't deserve it, given with no reciprocation expected. It doesn't matter if it's received. It matters that you give it with a pure and true heart that seeks peace and reconciliation. It seeks openness to truth. It does not reserve pride. It's humble. It is a gift blessing, a peace offering. Even if the receiver won't respond to your knock, 
won't open the door, you can set it down and leave it at their doorstep and leave the rest to Jesus. When you do that, each time you think of it, you will have closure because your heart is complete. Jesus will take it from there. Knowing that Jesus has it in his hands from that point on provides a gift to you. It's why he died on the cross. That gift provides true peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That is the greatest gift. Peace that passes understanding, joy full of glory. It speaks to the power that the Prince of Peace carries, and he extends the authority of that peace to all of us. So I want to talk a little bit about dealing with people so that we understand why it's so important to wear the truth glasses. So when you're around people, people in trauma, people who are hurting, people who are broken, why it's so important to wear the truth glasses is that the Lord will tell you what to do. So you say, help me see them with your eyes and with your heart. Talk to me about them. And then sometimes he'll say to me, I just want you to pray for that person. And I think I, I might have tried to help them. He goes, no, I just want you to pray. Sometimes he'll say, I want you to set boundaries with that person. Sometimes he'll say, I want you to help them. See, if we don't use our truth glasses, then the enemy can get us doing all kinds of good things like we're responsible for every person in our life. Is it good or is it God? That's why when you're dealing with people, you have to put on the truth glasses. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And when he says nothing, do nothing. So we have an enemy, right, who wants us to get us busy doing good, who wants us to have an attitude of distraction or dissatisfaction, who wants us to judge people. But we have a God that shows us the truth. So the truth glasses, this will allow you to live on this earth in more relational peace. It's the only way. Jesus is the only way.